I started running again in December. And so mm-hmm. like, it's been increasingly better. Although I hate running when the humidity is high oh, and it's, it's like 90 degrees. I'm like, I like thought I had COVID like six times after runs. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, no, I'm just, it's just the dew point is high. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've learned through my years of running that in the summer, it's either I'm running between the hours of 6am and 8am or mm. 8pm to 10pm. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. So yeah. I, and I'm a morning person, so I'm fine getting up because, like, even since July, I've been getting up for my morning CrossFit class at 6 a.m. So, oh wow, yeah, it's not a huge um, stressor for me to wake up early and go exercise. Nice. I know for some people that's like daunting, <laughs> and it is still is even for me. Like, I'll wake up some mornings and I'm like, I'm really gonna do this again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I admire it. Welcome to the EduPunks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman, bringing you another conversation with an everyday educator, daily disruptor, and just all-around good person in the world at large that I like to showcase. And today I'm talking with my good friend, Daniel Radin. Daniel is a fantastic human being, uh, just released a new album called Good Things under the name Lake St. Daniel. Uh, Daniel is uh, also a member of the band Future Teens. Uh, we interviewed, uh, or I interviewed Amy. Amy Hoffman of Future Teens last year when the band put out their album Breakup Season, uh, which is a fantastic record as well. Uh, If you want to hear that conversation and learn more about Future Teens, I have a note in the show notes so you can check that one out. Um, And other than that, Daniel and I talk about uh, his experience uh, learning how to play music, learning a lot about faith. Uh, We talked a lot about C.S. Lewis, which is really fun. Um, One of my favorite topics to talk about. Uh, We also talk a little bit about what it was like uh, him producing my album that we put out that we put out earlier this year. Uh, Not a whole lot. I I wanted to make sure this podcast was about Daniel, but I wanted to at least put it out there that I was really thankful that he put a lot of work and a lot of effort into helping me create something that I'm really proud of. And he heard something in them and experimented a whole lot with those songs. And I'm really glad that we got to put that together. Um, 
Daniel has a really cool approach to writing music, so I'm really glad that we got to talk a lot about that. And yeah, he's putting it out himself, so you can hear, uh, if you like what you heard already in the first little clip, go to lakesaintdaniel.bandcamp.com and listen to more of it. It's also on all the streaming sites, and you'll hear some more of the album a little bit later as well. So I also got to mention that we are part of the ConnectEDU network, so go to connectedu.network and learn more about the educational opportunities and output and content that we that we create on a weekly daily and somewhat all the time you know all the time basis uh all the higher education information and at law and all the other stuff (laughs) i think i'm losing my mind but uh go to connectedu.network and learn more uh a lot of good stuff out there uh, Dustin's been putting out some merch. Josie's been doing a lot of good stuff. So just make sure you're checking out a lot of what those people are doing. And yeah, I'm not going to dilly-dally a whole lot. Let's get into this conversation with Daniel Raiden. So I'm sitting digitally with my friend Daniel. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing I'm doing well today. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, you're doing well. That's great. I'm trying to I I uh I was actually just thinking about this when we were talking before we started recording, but uh I think adults often if you ask an adult how they are, they don't say well or happy or sad. They say mm-hmm. busy. Mm. Which is not a feeling. No. <laughs> and so I'm, and I, I'm trying That's not to ever being. say that. Exactly. <laughs> That's not how you are. That's yeah. what, what you are, I guess. Yeah. So I'm trying to answer it honestly now oh <laughs> that's how I am. that's how okay so i've talked actually about this before on the podcast when people ask me how i'm doing i try to give them an honest answer mm. like if i'm not feeling well if i'm like if i'm like one of my go-to answers is surviving like mm. that's kind of mm. how i tend to feel generally mm-hmm. and like that's also like taken from my dad he would mm-hmm. always say that when he was like my dad always kept like a really good outlook on life even when he was like dying which is like the thing that's always like surprised me the most I think because I would always ask him like how are you doing he's like well I've had worse days and I'm like Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) it's just being somewhat positive yeah (laughs) so um yeah I, I try to do that too like instead of I also just don't like saying I don't like just going off of the cuff and just being like oh I'm good everything's fine right all the time That being said, I do work at a cafe, and if I was honest with everyone who came (laughs) in, it would be a long day. (laughs) Where do you want me to start? (laughs) How far back do you want me to go with this? (laughs) Or even if I was like, my head hurts, they'd be like, okay, (laughs) what do you want me to do do about it? Yeah, which is funny. Like, that's a difference from West Coast, East Coast. Again, another thing I've talked about a little bit. Um, West Coast... Oregon, someone asks how you're doing, you get a pretty honest answer, mm. and then at least five minutes of follow up. Mm, 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 <laughs> and people yes. will like listen and be patient with you. That's but out nice. here, I've literally asked people, like, Hey, how are you doing? They're like, Yeah, fine. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, that, that's <laughs> sorry better for than, asking. <laughs> that's better than when I ask and I'm like, Hey, how's it, how's it going today? And they're like, Latte. And I'm right. like, I'm like, No, missed it. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Another great interaction with a human being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. That's what that looks like. Um, um, yeah. So we were also talking before hopping on just like how the pandemic is like reform, like reframed some of our like takes on what's important in life. And it's been, it's like shown me like when, when we're wearing masks, how important it is for me to see people smile and I haven't mm. seen that in so long, really. And I like, <laughs> I forget how much and how important it is for me that like, even the other day, um, I went to the gym and I was like climbing with people. We were uh-huh. in the rock walls and like just making jokes with people. Like they can't really tell when you're completely joking because you can't see facial expressions. Right, right, like right. this is so hard to be like sarcastic, funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah earnest humor only. Ernest humor only. <laughs> Ernest goes to camp. God damn. Did you grow camp. up with those movies? Um, I was literally just talking about those movies with my girlfriend because she watched them all as a kid. I don't think I've seen any of them, but we were considering watching. What's the scary one? Is it like Ernest goes to hell or something? I think it's Ernest scared stupid or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Maybe I just made that up. I don't think. Ernest Does he go to hell? <laughs> Ernest scared stupid. Yeah. Okay. I just looked it up. So he doesn't. He doesn't go to hell. 1991. No, he doesn't go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no. clearly I haven't seen them, but I uh, I like to. I was like, will I enjoy this if I have never seen it before? You know what I mean? With some movies, mm-hmm. like yeah. you watch with people and they're like, I love this as a kid, and you're like, this is a bad movie. Uh, <laughs> but. I was curious, and and she was like, I don't know if it's any good. I don't know if she's watched them since she was a kid. Honestly, so I haven't seen them in a while, but I do remember them not being great. But at the same <laughs> time, I don't remember them that being the point. Like, right, the point sure. wasn't for them to be great movies. Sure, sure. But like Ernest, Ernest movies were always at least enjoyable. And Jim Varney is a funny guy. I love. He was the, he was the voice of Slinky Dog. Oh yeah! Story. <laughs> I think I know him from Beverly Hillbillies. He's yep. in that, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I love. Yeah, which is yeah, a fantastic. Uh, there's only one movie, right? Yeah, well, it was yeah. a TV show, and then they made a movie. Mm, Maybe they right. made more than one. I don't know. Yeah, no, he was he was great. He was a great dude. I'm glad that uh, I got to bring up Ernest Scared Stupid and the Ernest. And Ernest goes to hell. Yeah, <laughs> Ernest goes to hell. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that is where Jim Barney is. Who knows? We don't know what kind of guy he really was. I know. We're like saying, yeah, what a great guy. People are like, Jim Varney's canceled. You should know this. Goodness. Well, we're already off the rails and we're only in like five minutes into this. This is great, Daniel. Uh, can you tell folks about who you are and what you do and where you come from? Yeah. So, um, I'm a Boston native. I grew up outside Boston, actually, technically. Um, I've been living here for my whole life, and except when I'm on tour, and then I'm living in a van. I'm uh, playing a couple groups now. One's called Future Teens, rock band from Boston. And then I started a solo project recently called Lake St. Daniel. I'm also a mix engineer and producer out of my little basement that I'm in now. Um, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the short answer. Yeah. Well, we'll get more into it as well. Um, but I had, uh, Amy on last year when y'all were putting out 
breakup season. Yes. Which yes. is great. So if folks want to learn more about future teens and Amy's history on uh, cruise ships. Oh, did they talk about, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. The, that's, it's like a different life. I, I feel yeah. like, I feel like future teens has like saved them a little bit from being, I mean, now who knows, you know, cruise ships. I don't even know what is happening. Probably no mm-hmm. cruise ships, but Probably um, I remember when they joined the band, it was like, yeah, I'm going to be gone for two months. And it was like, they were just playing on cruise ships. I was like, oh, that's cool. And they're like, please no more <laughs> so yeah that was fascinating to learn it like kind of blew me away i was like yeah. wait what well, i know how to play like every pop song though yeah so that's which i that's think a- has come in handy with at least future teens because absolutely y'all have a lot of those tendencies that come out that's definitely helpful yeah no i really i really dig that and so if folks want to hear more i'll put a a link in the show notes so you can hear both of them and link link the stories together if you want mm-hmm. um just real quick how um how did you come in to start making music were you like a kid or did, did you come to it a little later or how did that look yeah, yeah so i i think my friend eric got a guitar for his birthday we were probably in fourth grade and i told my parents and i was like oh eric got a guitar and so they were like all right so he has a guitar so let's get Daniel a bass so mm. they the story also by the way our stories conflict they say I wanted a bass but I remember wanting a guitar they got me a bass and I felt guilty because they got me a gift a nice mm-hmm. gift so I just learned it and took lessons for years even though I initially wanted to be a guitarist but I think I'm very thankful at this point because I think starting on bass uh, definitely shaped how I view music um, as more of a, you have to be a good listener to be a bassist or to be a good bassist. So it definitely helped how I listen and and engage with music. And later I just, uh, the first, I eventually started singing very poorly in bands in high school. And I, (laughs) (laughs) I was still trying. And, uh, I remember we played a show and we were covering an architecture in Helsinki song who had, I don't know what they're doing now. And I was supposed to sing, but every time it got to the part where I was supposed to sing, I forgot the words. I couldn't remember them at all. <laughs> so I literally, it was an instrumental version of an architecture in Helsinki oh, song. And that's when I realized I'm terrible at remembering other people's lyrics. So I started focusing on writing my own because mm-hmm. I could actually remember them. And to this day, I'm terrible with covers. Like even at our Future Teens cover set, mm-hmm. I, one week, I don't know, that by Bare Naked Ladies, there are just too many lyrics. <laughs> I, right. I think I knew about a There's quarter so of them. And Amy just took over. <laughs> <laughs> I know anytime I've really done covers because I don't want to like mess them up. I got to have the words in front of me. Oh, yeah. I don't ever, I did like a Tegan and Sarah cover set in someone's living room a couple years ago. Um, which is funny because like Side Body Polly said, like did a whole set of just Third Eye Blind songs, oh, and I'm wow, just sitting yeah. there kind of half-assing through a bunch of Tegan and Sarah songs. Oh my god! But it was pretty fun. I yeah, figured that's, it that's out. Fun. Yeah, I did not have the uh, abilities of the of a Tegan or a Sarah, but no, well, kind of fumbled through it. <laughs> when you, when their powers combined too, it's just a whole other level. Yeah, they're they're on. Their they're own. more than the sum of their parts. Yep. 
Hell yeah. But actually, I kind of relate to that, too, because when I was growing up, I had a friend who picked up the guitar and another friend who had picked up drums. And I mm. was like, I kind of want to play guitar, too, but I probably should pick up the thing that like would complement mm-hmm. the other three. So I picked up the bass, too, and that's where mm-hmm. I learned. Oh, so nice. I learned how to play music by playing the bass. And then uh, I didn't learn how to play guitar until I was 21. Oh, wow. So I only have been playing guitar for maybe a little over a decade. And like, I didn't really learn much of like music theory or anything like that. I kind of just learned by covering things. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. again, like having to have the words in front of me Mm -hmm. and the like chords in front of me, like kind of fumbling through that stuff. But eventually it all came together to some degree because I wrote some songs eventually but yeah yeah, picking up bass is one of those things that like helped me kind of figure out what music was you know totally i mean you you have to know you you at least have to be a good listener to figure Mm -hmm. out because bass is one of those things you don't notice until the wrong note is played Mm. you know and then someone's like what's wrong with that that something sounds wrong like you affect the entire arrangement yeah drastically so you got to be real in sync with your drummer everything's mm-hmm. got to oh, be yeah. like the whole rhythm section's got to make sense you know exactly so and that's one thing that i really dig about um like the whole future team's r- rhythm section is they're so on they're so locked in like, we're, we're blessed truly. yeah you guys are really <laughs> blessed and i know that it took a minute to finally like come to with like a full-time bassist and full-time drummer but i'm glad that like the crew that you guys have like the four of you are just so damn talented and i love seeing the success you guys have made so far i'm proud <laughs> sitting in my it. little spare room i'm proud of the work you're, you're an early adopter we appreciate that <laughs> hell yeah um so you also said that you've been like um been producing and whatnot what, what brought you into wanting to produce music and do things like that um well i started my, my brother was always the one who was recording uh the bands we were in and he got quite good at it quickly he's three years younger than i am so when he was like 14 he was recording all the bands and mixing Dang. and i mean he's got he's extremely good now he was still good back then and so i just kind of I bugged him to mix my stuff all the time. And then eventually I didn't want to bug him anymore. So I started really watching and paying attention to what he was doing when he was mixing and kind of just learned that way. And just by giving it a try and using my ears versus my, you know, my eyes, which is definitely the the biggest tip in mixing is just actually listen. Don't just look at the plugins and see mm-hmm. what looks cool. Um, Cause you can, you can get, some good sounds by doing incorrect things you know those are air quotes for for the listeners um things that are technically wrong but uh sound good to you then you know who cares Um, yeah i mean i i only kind of like because i recorded and quote unquote produced the first couple of things that i did like i did it all on my own and like kind of got like Hap, hap, I was happy with it and then I would hand it off to someone who would clean it up for me and mm-hmm. it always came back to me like oh whoa you heard something completely different than what I was trying to put together oh, and like it sounds like great and so like when I first started trusting people to like play with my 
my songs like it kind of like blew me away to hear that someone could hear something else than I was like in, intending on being put out there and so like it took me a while to like feel it's okay sorry it kind of it feels like rock climbing mm. it takes a long time to get to where you feel really comfortable being at a certain level mm-hmm. on the wall mm-hmm. and trusting the person who is belaying you and once you get that trust together once you've gathered that trust you feel comfortable if you have to let go and handing over the songs is letting go and so i had to like learn mm-hmm. that that's an okay thing to do because for the longest time i was like no these songs need to exist how i hear them yeah, yeah, and then once yeah. i started passing it on it was a completely different experience well, i have two thoughts one is where does my fear of heights fit into that metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> because as, a, as, as someone who mixes their own music a lot of the time, <laughs> maybe that's tied in. And then the other thing, I was thinking on my run this morning, you know that, and maybe there's an obvious answer I haven't thought of, but the cliche of if you love something, let it go. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. Like, I was like, what does that apply to that's, that feels in any way correct? Mm-hmm. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, especially because you hear it in terms of relationships. Right. I, I feel like the, the my interpretation is like don't hold on to something too tightly because mm-hmm. you're going to like suffocate it is yeah. kind of the way I think about it. So you're not letting it go and then it walks off. It's more like you're letting it go and then you stand together or something. Mm-hmm. Again. It sounds like it's like a, it's like a um, cautionary tale for like dependence to some okay. degree. Yeah, like that's the way I viewed it. It's I actually literally just had a conversation with my students about healthy relationships yesterday. Oh, nice. So like this is fresh in my brain. Yeah. And it's like important to have that like independence of another person while still having that trust and faith that, you know, they'll come back. Like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of um, good faith that goes into loving something. And I feel like when it comes to letting it go and be being comfortable with that. It takes a whole different level of trust and faith and whatnot. Um, yeah. I've thought about that a lot too. Yeah. I don't, it was I a was weird just, sentiment to me. Yeah. Well, and I was describing to someone, I can't, I think it came out cause I was describing to someone about healthy relationships and I always think of CS Lewis, mm-hmm. like the four loves Yep. and he, he kind of like, I don't completely agree with, I like the metaphor or the picture it creates of like lovers are like looking at each other and friendship is like looking out together mm-hmm. at the world. And I think of it more as like a healthy relationship is looking out together side by side. Yeah. And an unhealthy relationship is only being able to see the other person and, and not the world outside of your relationship. Um, but I feel like that's a nice, I've always found that uh, picture to be helpful yeah because i mean you don't necessarily want a relationship to be one mirrors the other no like completely you don't want that because then you're just becoming one person without any sort of independence right and like there are some people in some cultures that would argue that that is what you want sure. and but in my brain and in a healthy space and in a, an equitable relationship, you would want it to be that side by side in tandem sort of 
relationship and you know i love my c.s lewis so I like <laughs> um i i i have a lot of places where i bump on it as well so yeah. i like that you had that critique hell yeah yeah um <laughs> So I, I bring up the producing and I bring up the C.S. Lewis, or you brought up the C.S. Lewis. Yeah. You helped me produce my album this year. Um, and I just wanted to thank you on record for helping <laughs> me with that. Um, um, I, lo- I had a lot of fun. It was, it was not like anything I've ever gotten to mix before. So, And you let me be very creative with it, which was... I love doing, but not everyone... You know, some people have an exact vision of what they want and, it, and they don't want it to um what's the word uh go change from that too too drastically well and i had an idea of what i want like i said like i had an idea but like i really wanted to hear like what you would hear in these tracks and um with um it being collaborative like with a bunch of different people making all the different music everything was going to have a different sound and like you heard that you you had it you brought that out in in every track and that's what i think made the whole thing really special um and it's something that like i'm super stoked that is out in the world now so i just wanted to say thanks for that yeah i had a lot of fun can't wait to do more yeah it'll be great All right, it is time for the quick break from the podcast, just to bring you some information about voting. The election is coming up very soon. Uh, As you know, we're very left-leaning on this podcast, so I would tell you to please help us defeat Donald Trump in this upcoming election, because holy shit, the world has become a very bleak place over the last four years, especially within the last year. Um, There's chaos out in the streets, there is um, a pandemic that is wrecking people's lives, and there is a leadership that does not know what the fuck they're doing. So um, on my end, I believe that the the best place to get information right now is a website called Vote Save America. Go to votesaveamerica.com. It's ran by the folks who run Crooked Media, Pod Save America, all those great podcasts that they oversee. Um, Pod Save the People, Love It or Leave It, Keep It. There's a whole bunch of great podcasts that are under there. Um under their umbrella. You can go there, you can check uh, all the ways that you can make a plan, um, knowing uh, who to vote for and what to vote for in your state, um, and even volunteer opportunities so that you can check out um, the most that you can do to make sure that you're doing your part to make sure that folks are getting out their vote and having their voice heard. Um, It's super important this year, probably as it said almost every year, Every election year, but this is the most important election of our lifetime, and I think it is incredibly valuable to use all the resources we can to make sure that we are doing our part to make sure that folks get out there and stop Donald Trump and stop Mitch McConnell, stop Lindsey Graham. There are elections in those states that are uh, making it possible for those two individuals in the Senate to lose their roles. And I would love that. That would be really fantastic. Um, but um, we have we have to see. We have to get out there and do it. We have to get out and vote. We can't be complacent. We got to make sure that we are doing our part. That's what I've got. Uh, VoteSaveAmerica.com. Uh, please go there. Check out all the information they've got. All right. Let's get back to this conversation with Daniel Radin.
so tell me a little bit about Lake St. Daniel, because I know I know that you had done a lot of um, instrumental stuff, atmospheric stuff. So I actually didn't know what you were going to be doing with a solo project when this one came out. And uh, I'd like to hear what your approach was going into this set of songs that you just put out. Yeah, so um, I feel like I, I, part of it is that at this point, Future Teens, we have like sort of a a songwriting method, I'd say, where, you know, Amy and I come up with the bones of a song and bring it to the band. It's very collaborative, which is awesome. Um, but uh, there's certain songs I would start writing and I was like, this doesn't really feel like it fits because like Future Teens now has like, we've sort of developed a sound over the course of a couple records. Um, or it was like, this song feels better in my lower range or this song feels like it should be quieter. Um, and I kind of played around with that in the last Future Teens record a little bit where it was like, this is less traditional pop rock kind of thing. Um, but I definitely got more into it uh, uh, after that record came out. And so I just didn't have a home for these songs. And a lot of them, I was like, I don't want to make a pun. I just want to be earnest. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that Future Teens like has to have that, but I really enjoy that kind of writing. Yeah. So I kind of wanted an outlet for, you know, the other half of my brain, so to speak. Um, and in the lower part of my register. Um, and I just started writing these songs and then Colby from Future Teens helped me work out a lot of like the sort of like um, arrangement and, uh, or, a structure of the songs and kind of what the vibe was going to be and then just spent the rest of the spent like the rest of the the past eight months or so uh during the pandemic just fleshing out with guitar and then had my friend danny play pedal steel had my friend Haley sing and a lot of guitars and just figuring out what sounded good and what didn't and it's just like a true recording project i would say um that I could spend as much time as I wanted on and no one was going to be like, this needs to come out now. Like, mm -hmm. or you need to send to the mastering engineer. It was like, it's sort of good and bad not to have a deadline like that. Um, Cause you can, I'm definitely a perfectionist, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with how it came out. So. It sounds great. Like it, it does sound like a departure from future teens, but it also like, that was the word, the word that I was thinking of, when I was listening to it, even right, uh, listen to, to it again, when we were getting ready to record earnestness is like, it really comes through in this one. Um, where did you like have to pull from to get some of that, uh, to get some of that, those experiences out into the recording? Did it, was it nerve wracking to be vulnerable or was it more freeing? How did that feel for you? I think it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's, so I've talked about this a little bit before, but with future teens, I got into this place where I was like, okay, it's time to write lyrics for a song. What's something bad that's happened to me recently <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I can mine for like mine, my pain for lyrics and then try to make them funny. And it got to the point where, uh, when I was writing a, I was only focusing on these like bad things that happened to me, uh, or like the painful memories or whatever. And it was making me lose focus on like, again, to use the album title, the good things in my life mm -hmm. um, and the things I, I wasn't focusing on. So 
part of it was an attempt, like a um, purposeful, conscious attempt to focus on what was good in my life currently or as in my childhood or my family and um and right from that place instead of trying to like you know uh relive suffering i guess mm. which is which is an which is uh become a habit with with my songwriting and i think i'm this helped me depart from that in general too like with new future teen songs i'm not as much like what what's a bad thing I can write about? It's kind of like what's a thing what's that I'm feeling now, and it doesn't have to be like a a brutal sad thing, you know. It can just be a thing that exists. Yeah, it doesn't can, have yeah. to be something that evokes negativity. Exactly, exactly. Which is funny because I feel like I mine from a similar area sometimes, um, and I'm trying with the new stuff that I'm writing right now to just be more. I'm trying to actually step away a little bit from myself in mm. the next stuff that I'm trying to write. Um, Cause I feel like even with the most recent thing I put out, there's a lot of me in it, but there's also not a lot of me in it, which is mm-hmm. there's a lot of storytelling in it that isn't my storytelling. And now it's shifting. And I feel like that's sometimes a little bit harder because mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily writing from a place of like, me i guess mm-hmm. right. i'm writing from something that i'm trying to extrapolate from the universe and mm-hmm. put it into uh, an idea and share it out there um which can tend to be a little bit harder and totally. um, get a little bit of writer's block from that but pushing through that is the ultimate challenge i suppose um did you encounter any any sort of roadblocks while you were putting together any of these songs or um, anything that was like kind of getting in your way of um, writing about the good things? Um, I think finding a way, I, 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 I have always said that like, there's no point in writing a happy song <laughs> for me. Because <laughs> all my favorite songs are sad. Um, and again, this goes back to what I was saying, where it's like, that's not true. Like that's not, there are amazing happy love songs or happy mm-hmm. songs about family or nostalgic songs. It doesn't have to be happy or sad. It's not like a, um, it's not like this dichotomy. Like you can have a bittersweet song or a nostalgic song or like, I think some people have come back to me and listened to the record and said like, Oh, like this, this made me cry or like, Oh, this made me laugh or think of my family or whatever. And everyone's having sort of a different response to it, which is really cool. Um, but I think trying to strike that balance of like, like, uh, you don't want to like brag in a song, right? If you're writing a love song, like you don't want to be like, I'm happy and things are good. Like I remember going to an open mic once and this kid's like, I'm in love. Like, and here's a song I wrote about it. And it's like, things are good and I'm happy. I'm like, no, like that's, there's no nuance to that really. There's no, people aren't going to just relate to that. That's not what people want to hear. There's just something about it that's not as compelling, um, for me at least. It's so, like radio songs that are like, Friday night, yeah. Saturday <laughs> night, we're so young. Right. Yeah, and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess there's something sort of escapist to that, I guess, yeah. that that people can relate to. Which mm-hmm. It's sort of like the country songs, right, that are yeah. escapist at their core. Um, so I get the appeal to that because that, I do consume media that's certainly escapist. Like I feel like horror uh, and mm. sci-fi and stuff is escapist and 
and it doesn't have to be sad or violent. It can just be like a universe that's not yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think trying to find that balance with my own writing when I have been writing sad songs for so long was, was a, a fun challenge for me. I love, um, like you do bring in a lot of like introspection on the album, which is really great. And I, I think the fact that you start the album with a line about having your own song stuck in your head is one of my favorite things because it's so fourth wall that, <laughs> that I think, uh, I think about that a lot too, because I've had, I've had my own song stuck in my head and yeah. it's like, it's not any, I've had my own song stuck in my head that it isn't even like out. It's just something yeah, yeah, that yeah. I've written. And, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. and I've done that around Katie. Katie's like, what are you singing? I'm like, um, my own song. I like a melody. <laughs> <laughs> a thing that people haven't heard yet. It's, it's yeah. so like, you haven't heard it yet. You wouldn't even yeah. know. Um, but I, I, I dig that a lot because um, it is like, I think kind of true to your nature is just like being pretty, honest with what's going on inside of your head and i i really like the way that you um presented it throughout the album and it's such a chill album like that's one thing that i really like about it and why i can't wait to have the record um because i'm just gonna like vibe out with it in my living room. <laughs> and um that's gonna be a lot of fun um where so this album has a lot of that pedal steel in it mm-hmm. and um where where did you try to channel some of those atmospheres from um, when you were putting this one together? Because that is that is a very distinct sound in my in my experience with music. Totally. Um, I mean, I'm not I feel trying like, to throw country out there. I'm just saying I've had that. Experience. Listen, I, I, I was just about to say like old country is like my probably one of my favorite genres. Maybe go. just my number one. Like not not as much into the new stuff, new country, but. Like Emmy Lou Harris is my number one. I love, mm. I love her, uh, Dolly Parton and um, Willie Nelson and like yeah. all that stuff. So, uh, I and I feel like, I feel like future teens. Some people have said like, "There's something country about you guys," oh, and I'm yeah, always like, sure. "Hell yeah, hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> like that's awesome. So, I'm not. It's. I mean, it doesn't sound like Zach Brown. I mean, no. you know, and I know that. If it did, we'd probably be like really famous and rich. But um, yeah, I love country music, and and my friend Danny plays pedal steel really well. But like he he didn't start playing it um, with country in mind, so a lot of his licks are like less country, less mm-hmm. traditional country. So it's kind of like an in between, um, sort of like I don't know if you heard that new Faye Webster record, mm-hmm. but there's like it's almost elements of like r&b but then also pedal steel actually i just heard this maxwell song do you remember maxwell mm-hmm. um he has a song uh, a cover of kate bush's women's work my this woman's work what I, I can't remember what it's called and there's pedal steel on it and i was like holy crap like more we need more r&b with pedal steel it sounds so good yeah and but it does evoke a certain thing with with a lot of people um of like this sounds country or like which i'm perfectly okay with um as a country lover but yeah that's great to hear because i know that some people are resistant to that and i've I've definitely heard it in future teens before because i feel like 
it's not necessarily like the whole sonic approach, but like there's something in both of your voices that definitely comes out with a little bit of a twang to it. And yeah. it's something you just don't hear in pop rock or, no. like, or in this genre at all, which I think is great because it makes you have a more distinct sound and people can pinpoint, yeah, that's future teams. Yeah, I guess so. Works for us. <laughs> yeah, no, I dig it a lot. Um, there's actually uh, the new Touche Amore album has mm-hmm. a track that is like all pedal steel in it. Oh, really? And um, it's just basically Jeremy Bolton screaming, yelling over pedal steel, Whoa. which is like completely something I did not know I'd ever hear. Yeah, I got to check Amore that out. Hardcore record. But Love it's, that. it's really good. I'll send it over to you so you can mm-hmm. know which track it is. But it's like wild that um, people are really um digging deep into that sound which is pretty cool it's like very it's showing that bands are willing to like try new stuff yeah yeah there's no there's no rules really i mean unless you're making like top 40 pop then there's rules but other than that why not but then i don't know look at maxwell he was top 40 at the time you know loving basketball song with pedal steel (laughs) who knew (laughs) um yeah, no, and I, I love that, I mean, I'm a fan of not having rules because I'm not a big fan of, like, like people who are aware of the stuff that I make. It's basically just, like, one long story. There's no mm-hmm. choruses. There's no, um, so, like, throwing those rules out is huge in, in my book. And even when I was going through your album, it's a lot of just storytelling. And um, what, uh, I'm curious, like, what type of um was it kind of freeing to be able to just write stories rather than like having to write hooks or anything like that how did that feel for you in in this kind of writing approach yeah i honestly i feel like it 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 came very naturally um a lot a lot of it did i mean there's definitely when a album when an album is, when i know an album's going to be very lyrically focused uh which this one is i definitely labor over the lyrics a bit longer and make sure Mm -hmm. like i just i always hated the feeling of writing a lyric and being like that's good enough and then singing it a hundred times and being like i don't like this lyric and now i have to sing it a hundred times so i (laughs) i try to avoid that um and i also think it's like it's fun to be able to listen to your record once in a while and be like okay i'm proud of this there's nothing Mm -hmm. i I sort of um, phoned in. Uh, so we're thinking about the lyrics, for for me, I usually come up with like a concept of like, okay, this song is generally going to be about this thing or this feeling. Um, and I just kind of see where it, where it takes me, um, which sounds very like cliche, but uh, it, it's many hours spent looking at a Google Doc open with no, with writing a lyric and then being like no nope, that's not good enough and then deleting it and a lot of that so you know but i get a I get a kick out of it it's a lot of just staring at the uh notes app on my phone yeah exactly <laughs> just like what where is this coming from where's my brain i i have I'll a, come back to this later <laughs> i have a good a good method when i'm producing people's music i'm like okay if we're stuck on something i'm like okay say what you want the lyric to be without using any artistry. Mm. Like, just be like, what do you want to say? And mm-hmm. then let's take that and go from there. And mm-hmm. that's, 
a very helpful exercise because if you're not feeling constricted by rhyme scheme or cadence or whatever, then you're going to say exactly what you mean. And then you can kind of work your way back. That's another thing I've really enjoyed about like music these days in like, I don't know, the scenes that we kind of revolve around. Um, and even in the spoken word realm, the rhyme is just like, it can go away. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of just ditching rhyme altogether. Just tell what you need to say, what you need to say, tell what you need to tell. And um, it's almost like, so I, I went to college for creative writing and um, English in general, but um, one of the, one of the things you're told is once you know the rules, you can break them Sure. and it's show don't tell. And right. I'm kind of like, now I'm in the realm of tell. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Break the rules and tell. <laughs> <laughs> because um, the whole show, like the showiness can be great. It can be great to wrap a metaphor in into everything that you do. But there's something more vulnerable and earnest about just telling, telling how it is. And I totally. think that, that that really much, that very much shines through a lot of the work that you put into this album uh, explicitly. So I just wanted to commend you on that. Thanks. Hell yeah. Um, any last things that people should know about the album or um, that you'd like to say about it? Um, it's, I don't, nothing, it's on all the streamers. You can listen yeah. to it for free. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be, uh, hyping up the band camp, how to order Sweet. the record and everything. Cause you put it out yourself, right? Yeah. It's just me. Just, just, you. just me in my basement. All right. It's time for the music break portion of the podcast. I'm bringing you a full tune from the new Lake St. Daniel album. It is called good things. And I'm going to play you the title track of that album. Good things. Hooray. Uh, earlier in the episode, you heard the song, a little bit of the song well lived and I'll end the episode with the rest of that song. But for now, I'm going to play you good things. Uh, we just talked a whole lot about the album. Very cool. Uh, very chill, uh, very, very chill album. This song is um, one of my favorites on the album. It was one of the singles as well. Um, so if you like it, go to lakesaintdaniel.bandcamp.com. Get yourself a physical copy. Get yourself a digital copy. Support Daniel. He makes great music and does a lot of great things in the world. Um, and you can also stream it on Spotify or wherever you get music into your ear holes. So yeah, uh, this is Good Things off of the album Good Things by Lake St. Daniel.
stay. We've got contradicting signs, but that stuff's made up anyway. by Lake St. Daniel. If you like what you heard, go to lakesaintdaniel.bandcamp.com. Get yourself a digital copy. Get yourself a physical copy. He's got records. He's got CDs. Support Daniel. Support Daniel's music. Support independent artists right now. That's the best thing we can do in the pandemic right now is just support the folks who are making the things. That's that's my motto. Support the people making the things. Uh, now let's finish up this conversation with Daniel Radin. So I like to call this thing like the lightning round. It's not necessarily that fast. It's just more of I just want to hear a couple things that you like in the world. Yeah. Um, to end on like a high note. Um, so I'll just ask you a few things. You let me know. You can also take a second to answer them if you need to. Okay. Um, which favorite color? Favorite color. <laughs> Purple. It's hard, right? Purple. <laughs> that was my favorite color as a kid. I always said it was, but I think it's because I like Donatello. The, oh, uh, the Ninja Turtle. So I'm a Raphael guy. I got oh, Raphael. nice. Nice. Yeah. The um, bad boy. The bad boy of the group. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I also just love the, uh, what are they? The Katana? Is that what he uh, used? What are those things called? Psy. The Psy. Yeah. Um, I was always a big fan of those. I was like, those are sick. And you have to be a little bit closer. To, yeah. To, it's a little more intimate of a weapon. Now, come to think of it, I don't think I'm the Donatello. I wonder what I am in future teens. I don't know. <laughs> I need to think. I need to pull up, pull the band. Okay, that'd be I'm great. Pro- 
Katie's our Donatello. Katie's a big nice. Donatello. So, yeah. I th- yeah, I don't think very I analytical am. person. Yeah, not me. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite type of food? Favorite? I mean, burrito. Burritos. Burritos specifically. I, I love Mexican food. Burritos. Uh, that's probably my. If I was just talking with my girlfriend, I said, "Would you rather have?" to never pay for groceries again, but you still have to go to the grocery store or be able to create a burrito in your hand with anything you want in it at any time. Oh boy. And I was like, I mean, one is like you save a lot of money and that's nice. Get a lot of groceries, get whatever you want, but you still Mm -hmm. have to cook. Mm -hmm. And she was, and uh, we went back and forth for (laughs) for a while. That's how much I like burritos. And I was like, burrito, no question. I want to be able to create a burrito. (laughs) whatever i wanted it at any time get the burrito have the burrito eat the burrito yeah i dig it i i've been like craving felipe's this entire pandemic i just haven't been over to cambridge much yeah i mean i've been eating at anna's quite a lot oh yeah yeah that's been good it's good hell yeah um what's your favorite place you've ever like visited or traveled you've been all over the country i know that so i'm curious of what, what you think one of probably my my favorite place to 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 drive around is Oregon. Mm. Uh, I think Oregon's the most beautiful state. Oh, by far. Thank you. I, I, I take that <laughs> as a personal point of pride. Yes, <laughs> it's all you. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love love. I've gotten to tour there quite a lot. Um, there's just like my old band used to play in Sisters, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played there a few times and played around Oregon. Um, Savannah is also a really beautiful city that I like to stop whenever we're like on our way to Atlanta or on the way back, we'll like stop for lunch in Savannah and walk mm-hmm. around just cause it's so pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, Boston, I love, I love Boston in, in spite of being all across the country. It's just a, it's just a nice place to live. Yeah. I really enjoy living here. I probably won't live anywhere else the rest of my days. So might as well live here. <laughs> yeah. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really see myself going anywhere else. I don't know. Maybe it's also because I'm locked into my job for a pension reason, but it's fine. Yeah. I got to be there for a while. Security is nice. It is nice. It's also like I have to I have to like exist that long to get the thing that I want. Well, I always uh, say it's like if you've, hard. if you've got, yeah, if you've gotten there, then things are good. Yeah. If you've gotten your pension, then things yeah. must be going all right. You made so it that far. When I am, when I'm 55 and I've maxed out, mm-hmm. I guess there's more room to go. But uh, like my supervisor's been in my in her job for as long as I've been alive. Like she's that much wow. older than me. Um, she's about to retire, and then I get to take her job. Oh wow! But um, yeah, it'll be cool. But um, She's like, just write it out as long as you can. And I'm like, all right, I'll take that advice. I'll do yeah. what I can. Um, uh, what is like a favorite book of yours? Maybe long, full, uh, of all time, maybe current. Um, let's see. So I should, that's like, a, I feel like a question I should have an answer to. Um, my favorite I, I feel like the book that affected me most, I read in college, I took back to C.S. Lewis. I took a C.S. Lewis class and I was, my mom is Christian. My dad is Jewish. So we were raised like 
general, like a little bit of each. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went to college, I was like, okay, I need to logically prove the existence of God. Yeah. And um, I failed, of course, but uh, uh, I, my attempt brought me to mere Christianity, mm. uh, which was like the, my first foray into philosophy. Very mm. digestible philosophy, too. He's a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that book definitely affected my, I mean, it was, it affected like how I view, I guess, like humanity. It's a very convincing argument for um, sort of like, a platonic good that like there's a reason to be moral and good in your life besides a social contract, which I find compelling. Um, so that's my learned answer. And then my less learned answer is uh, probably my favorite recent book is this book called Hex. Mm. I've been reading all horror. Mm. Uh, so if you like horror, it's, it's actually a great book because it's kind of, it's about witches, which is always like a metaphor for like patriarchy and, oppression and and whatnot uh and it it shows how close to the precipice of like the dark ages we are at all times in a civilized society through the lens of horror um which i loved a lot i found it a lot of fun it's also funny which is always a nice thing to have in a horror um that it's not taking itself too seriously so that's my favorite recent book great hell yeah um i took a spiritual autobiography class in college which is really mm. great and so i got to read a lot of thomas merton and nice. a lot of and a lot of c.s lewis so we read like surprised by joy by lewis is like oh yeah he's like memoir yeah um, yeah and then thomas merton the monk he he just had so much i used to have a little pocketbook of his of just little like psalms that he would put out or whatever that he had like written and there were a couple that just like helped me just stay grounded in like yeah being a good person, being like a, being like a thoughtful human being rather than trying to like, I don't know, fight the, fight the fight in a more, um, with a more like negative approach, like being, Mm. um, being more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, start, like, not sardonic's not the right word but it's just like being more apprehensive about the world but just actually mm. entering it with like a good positive outlook which is like even hard right now but like it's totally. a good reminder to have have so. you I, I mean some people have qualms with him some justifiable but have you uh listened to david foster wallace's this is water speech yeah 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 that that to me is like a nice like secular reason to be an empathetic person yeah i was um, actually just talking to katie about that speech the other day. yeah i think about that all the time just like mm-hmm. especially when you're in the city and right now grocery stores are obviously like an unpleasant place to be i always think of his description of like everyone else maybe like they're having a worse day than, than you maybe mm-hmm. their job is much less fun and they are going through something really difficult you know it's just like that sort of like uh what is it we always say it's um not extreme, but um, radical empathy, you know, having yeah. that for other people is like a constant, a constant uh, battle within yourself. Yeah. Um, but can be compelling. Yeah. What's a favorite movie of yours? Do you have a favorite movie? Um, I've, I, my stock answer has always been lost in translation, okay. which I, which like introduced me and it's, 
partly because of the soundtrack. It's so yeah. good. It like introduced me to My Bloody Valentine mm-hmm. and like a lot of shoegaze music, which I really loved growing up. I haven't seen it in a while. I'm like, I don't know if I think it holds up. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know why it wouldn't. I mean, again, I haven't seen it in a while, but I love that that movie is like. 80% mood and like 20% narrative. I, mm. I do like that kind of movie sometimes. Um, so that's, that's probably my, my stock answer. Cool. I dig it. Um, as far as music goes, I like to handle music. Um, what's some new stuff that you're really enjoying and what's like some all time things that you've always had on a pedestal? Um, new, new stuff. My, my friend, Sam, just released a record today, Sam Moss, um, on October 23rd. So when it, whenever you're listening to this, it's out. Um, I love his songwriting. Like he's one of the few people that I, I look forward to hearing his records and like yeah. occasionally I get to hear sneak previews, but he's like pretty holds them pretty close to, to his chest. So it came out today and I've already listened to it like three times. Oh, love, good. love his songwriting. Um, my mom described him when she saw him play. She's like, He's an amazing guitarist, but he's also a poet. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, so it's, so it's like Bob Dylan, but he's an amazing guitarist. There you go. Um, uh, yeah, I really like his, his, his stuff. Um, what else have I been listening to? That, that's probably the thing I'm most excited for. Um, and then... I've been listening to all, one of my all times is probably James Taylor. Hmm. Um, he writes songs where like, you're like, Oh, what a nice, like fire and rain, for example, heard hmm. it a million times. But if you sat down to try and learn it, you'd be like, why are there so many chords? <laughs> Unreal. Like there's a chord change for like every two beats or every beat. It's just, it's very, it's very ch- deceptively um, simple, deceptively yeah. difficult whichever is the one where it's it sounds simple but it is very complicated yeah. so he learning his songs helped my songwriting a lot um and i can't say that about a lot of a lot of people where i've learned the songs um but you you know you kind of take a little bit from from anything you're listening to so i definitely stole a lot of things from james taylor for for my record yeah. which i have no shame about that's just that's what you do when you're a musician for sure. I totally get that. Hell yeah. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me, Daniel. It's always great to just catch up and see you and uh, wish in human form we could see each other again. But maybe we can physically distance hang out sometime. That'd be Who nice. Um, and maybe we'll be out of this sometime in the next year. And then the gig can happen again. I know. Well, I'm fingers crossed. Because like my... I was looking forward to the tour of the year with you and Spanish love songs. Oh and you're just going to be like all of our friends on the same stage together. Um, I, I was listening to that record and I was like, oh, I was really looking forward to hearing these songs every night. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll happen again. Maybe we'll be able to do it in 2021. I, I mean, we've got no plan. So hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We did it. Another episode done. 
Big thanks to Daniel Radin for chilling with me on this episode. Really thankful to get to chat with him about his his new album, Good Things. Uh, So make sure that if you like what you heard, go to lakesaintdaniel.bandcamp.com and get yourself a physical or digital copy of the album. Support Daniel and support all the work that he does. Also check out that episode with Amy Hoffman uh, from last year where I talked with them about Future Teens and all the stuff that they did before becoming a member of Future Teens, which is Pretty fascinating story, if I do say so. Um, Big thanks to Daniel again. Also, if you want to check out more stuff from the ConnectEDU network, go to connectedu.network to learn more about the educational content and podcasts and all the good stuff that we put out um, through that whole network of creators. Um, Yeah, that's all I have for this one. Please get out and vote. Uh, Next week is when the votes really do, they, they matter. And I've seen that... Um, early voting and voting through mail uh, is already breaking all sorts of records. So I don't know what that's going to tell us, but I'm really, really hopeful that that means some good things and we get that motherfucking Donald Trump out of the goddamn White House. I had to say it. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Um, But yeah, that's all I've got for this week. I hope you're all having a good day or life in the pandemic. And that's all I got. All right. Until the next time, let's get to work. And you said I think the sun Start